Welcome to 28 and Searching. I'm your host, Samantha, and today I have Kay Solo on my show. Thanks for coming on my show, Kay. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you residing? How old are you? How many years have you been in your industry? That sort of thing. I live in California. I'm 27 years old. I've been doing this, it really, it's really come in stages. I really got my start in 2006. I was doing a lot of technical writing and a lot of technical editing, a lot of boring stuff, but I've actually <laughs> been editing uh, books since 2011, and that's been my favorite part so far. Okay, very cool. So what would your job title be, and, and what does it mean exactly? Well, there's the long version and the short version. Uh, usually I just say, I'm an editor. It's pretty self-explanatory. I fix people's words and I make them better. Sure. But if I get into the more detailed aspect of it, um, there's also a lot of writing involved. I handle some emails. I handle newsletters, all sorts of things. And I basically, I I tear people's books apart. And that <laughs> sounds a little that sounds a little more intimidating. So usually I just start out with the fact that I edit books. Yeah. That's, a, that's a much kinder way. As a writer, I, I yeah. enjoy the, I'm just going to fix this rather than I'm ripping everything apart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so do you currently work for a company or do you work for yourself? Are you freelancing or what's going on with that? Kind of both. I, my main source of income is I work for a business consulting company called okay. Creative Business Consults. So we're switching our name over to Lazy Workaholic because that's... <laughs> That's the kind of people I work for. But I, have, I, I also started my own manuscript editing business called Manuscript Magic. And it's a little cheesy, but um, I decided that I really wanted to edit books. And I didn't yet have all the education and experience. But I felt like I was definitely qualified because I had years and years of writing and editing experience. So I just wanted to take a chance and jump in. And it ended up working really well. Very cool. So you have you have a little bit of experience in both. So we can talk about both the the industry where you're working for somebody else, and then also the industry of working for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. So, how did you get into the position? So, freelancing. I'm assuming you you know, like you said, you started it kind of on your own because you knew that you were ready for it. But how did you get into the position with the company? With the company, I started as just a normal assistant. And this was really something as simple as I let them know that this was something that I could do and they were really happy about it. It's kind of a small company. We didn't really have anyone who knew how to work social media or who was experienced with communications. So I told them about this and they said, hey, this is great. We can open up an entire new department surrounding copywriting and editing because, you know, business consulting people need all sorts of website content written, email templates, all sorts of things like that. So it, it really was as simple as, in my case, just letting them know that this was something that I could do. Sure. So is it, did you find it, was it like a regular job where you go on Craigslist and look for it? Or is there a specific creative hub where you find these types of work? Or how did you, how did you find out about the company? Uh, the company is actually run by someone I met at school. Okay. And yeah, I, I happened to ask if they were hiring and they were. It, I, I have to admit, I got into it kind of because at first it seemed like a, a stable sort of job. 
But after that, I realized there were all sorts of potential for expansion for it. So that's why I decided to bring that up. Very cool. So networking is a big deal, right? That's how that's how you find out about these ideas, because I know creative positions are oftentimes hard to come by, especially when you're working for a company. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I would suggest especially if you're looking for any type of creative position, is there are lots of communities out there on places like Facebook or Google+, where these companies, you know, even indie companies, like indie publishing companies, they'll say, hey, we have a couple internship spots open for editors or proofreaders, and we'd like you to take a test or something like that. And, you know, they're actually kind of all over the place. There are a lot, a lot of people looking for those people. So I would... And is your position a remote position or are you? Yes. Okay. So you don't have to live in the same place. You could do this from anywhere. Yes, definitely. But social media would be almost a requirement um, when you're looking at creative positions because it sounds like that's the main hub of how you find about out about these different positions. It is a pretty big hub. One of the uh, internships that I actually tried and failed for was off of Twitter. And, you know, I follow a lot of creative-minded people. There are a lot of writers and editors, and a lot of these creative uh, communities uh, um, communicate through hashtags, especially when they have a big event going on. Mm -hmm. And that's where I found out uh, about a lot of different internships going on because a lot of people were advertising like hey my indie house is growing we need some more people with us come take our come take our test oh very cool okay so if somebody doesn't like social media probably not the type of career to go after at this point <laughs> it's it could be a disadvantage but i think it's useful primarily in in really finding out where you want to start okay after you started working unless you want to use it for promotion. It's it's really not that much of a necessity. It is it is great to keep networking and to keep finding out about new opportunities, but it's not as important of a position as it would be for a lot of other tech-related fields. Well, and if we switch gears a little bit, when you talk about freelance editing, it's, it is, I mean, that's an ongoing thing, right? Because, I mean, I'm assuming that's where you get most of your work is through social media. Oh, yeah, and definitely I had to establish myself as an editor, establish myself as a qualified editor. Uh, I had to put up a website and I had to build a following. I had to constantly be telling people, uh, by the way, I edit books, come mm-hmm. see what I'm all about. So, yeah, if if you do opt for the freelancing route, then social media is definitely a lot more important. And no matter which way you go, you should really start at social media, though. That's where you're going to find um, the creative positions you're looking for. I think so. Yeah, there's there's also a lot of potential for marketing that you don't get through just looking at um, applications on Craigslist or anything mm-hmm. like that. You can find those positions out there, but you will get a distinct advantage from uh, social media networking and finding these people individually. Okay, cool. So do you think that you need a degree to become an editor to become an editor well if you're applying for bigger companies yes usually they want something about a bachelor's in english or journalism or mass communications 
Okay. I didn't have a degree when I started. Mm -hmm. That's because I had a lot of experience and I was working up toward the degree. Sure. And if you're an editor specifically, then you're going to be learning a lot of things on your own anyway, because school just doesn't teach you the sheer amount of detail that you need to know about language. Mm -hmm. But having a degree can definitely increase your credibility okay. and it can help you get into those uh, higher paying positions later on. Okay. And so, but would you say that somebody, if maybe they're interested in editing and they're going to school for that degree, whichever one it may be, um, do you think it'd be good for them to maybe start their, while they're doing that, start doing like you did editing so that they can kind of learn the ropes as they go? Or do you think it's better to start after you get the degree? Um, if, if you have the patience to do both at once, I would say go for it. I mean, I, I never once had anyone turn me away for not having a degree. Okay. Would you, did, did you ever feel like at any point in time it might have hurt your credibility or your reputation to not have that degree while you were editing? Or did, you, did, it, did it never really affect the freelance portion? It didn't really affect me so much as the amount of business that I encountered, which I guess is the important part. Sure. But I, I did feel a little self-conscious not being able to put that degree on my list of credentials. Yeah, I absolutely. wanted to be able to do that to say, hey, I've, I've done the work. I'm, you know, I'm kind of an expert now and the college thinks so too. But uh, otherwise, it was just a matter of building up the testimonials and letting my other work speak for itself. Do you think that there are, because I've seen several, um, like certification courses for editors where it's, you know, because it's a lifelong learning process. Um, I mean, the English language is changing constantly. Um, so I've, I've seen some certification courses. Do you think those might suffice also to build credibility? I think so. Yeah. I, I actually don't know too much about the certification courses, but usually in, in most other fields, the certificates mean you've, that you at least took something through to completion and that it was about the field that you're working in. Like I've also done a photography certification and I mm -hmm. feel a lot more confident about my skills after that. And it's a nice thing to show off to. Sure. So it, it, it works on almost two fronts, right? So it works on the front, and this is the same thing with a, with a degree, is it works on the front of somebody seeing that credential, but then it also helps to give you confidence is what I'm hearing. So it, it kind of gives you more credibility in yourself. Yeah, there are definitely some things you're going to have to learn on your own, but you will learn plenty going through school. Like one thing that I actually didn't really like going through English, even though I realized it helped me, was uh, you focus a lot on analytics mm -hmm. rather than looking at the specific rules of grammar. So you have to learn that yourself. But coming out of it all, I still feel like a more well-rounded individual. Okay. So, because that's interesting because I've, I've talked to, to writers before, you know, they go back and forth about whether you need a creative writing degree and, you know, a lot of them don't have it. But when you're an editor, so the people who edit those pieces, the degree is almost necessary because you, you need all that more, you need all that knowledge that you're gaining. Um, I would say so because you, you do end up learning a lot in these classes, even if it's not some of the specific things that you need, like all those specific grammar rules. Mm -hmm. But all of this is important when you're an editor because you have to look at the big picture. And this sort of helps you with that. You have to be, really be able 
to get in there and change big things around like entire chapters and entire paragraphs. And, you know, eventually, if you become a good writer, then I, I think it can help you become a better editor. Okay. So do you think editing, being an editor is subjective? Like, you know, writing subjective. Some people think that, you know, some writing is good and some writing is not. Do you think editing's the same way where it's a very personal choice of who you choose to edit your work? Some of it, yes. There is this baseline of objective correctness. But sometimes uh, you'll have editors who focus primarily on certain genres because that's what they're good at. That's what they're really passionate about. And that passion really shows in their work. I don't really like to edit things that I'm not super interested in because while I can look at it on a technical sort of level, mm -hmm. I can't really get into it. And I feel like I wouldn't make the best improvements or suggestions. But a lot of it really is suggestions like, hey, I really do think that it would work better this way. You can keep it this way. It, I mean, it's, it's technically correct the way it is, but I think it would be a lot better if you switched it around to something else. So okay. a lot of it, it is, it is subjective, yes. Okay. And so when you, you said that you had done editing in technical, boring stuff. So is that, is that going to be, are those skill sets going to be almost different than the ones you use to do fiction or, or novels? Actually not. Because, okay. uh, you know, talking about that base level of, of objective correctness, when I was learning um, all the technical writing and editing, that's where I picked up my knowledge about a whole bunch of different style guides like AP and APA in Chicago. And, you know, these things become really important, actually, when it comes to editing books, because books have um, usually a specific style guide that they go by. Okay. And there are a lot of more very... Uh, tiny but specific grammar rules that you pick up there too so it was kind of boring then it is very different writing it's very dry but you pick up a lot of the basics and the fundamentals there so would you say that's almost a good starting point is if you do something that's maybe not as exciting when you begin so that you can really learn the basics of editing huh. um Maybe it, it worked for me and it and it's definitely a good place to pick up that knowledge, but you also it wasn't taught to me. Okay. They they the companies just sort of said, Hey, we use this style. Mm -hmm. So for me it was, you know, well I have to go out and learn this style now if I want to keep working this job. So I I think it might be more important to like if you have an industry in mind, let's like let's say you want to work at a publishing house, mm -hmm. figure out what style guides they use, what rules they use, and then go learn them. It, it can help to work the job in the sense that you're getting practice okay. and you, you usually get feedback from another editor. But yeah, it's, it's more about the self-drive than anything else. So what would be, if somebody was interested in becoming an editor, what would be a good entry-level position for them to kind of start at to see if A, they like it, or B, where they can learn um, some of the ropes? Usually some kind of entry-level position or, or even an internship. And I would say do not rule out the, the indie houses. There are all sorts of entry-level positions from proofreader to assistant and even just normal internships. That, and that's where you can really learn the ropes because you're dealing with people who are um, a lot more experienced than you. The people who can teach you these things, which might be a little bit easier than you having to go out and learn it all on yourself, on your own. 
Okay. And in this industry, because I've heard in other industries that, you know, I've had people on the show say, don't ever take an unpaid internship in this industry. There's paid ones. Is that the same thing for editing? Is there paid internships or is they strictly free internships or? Oh gosh. Um, there are paid internships. So if you can get one of those, uh, go for it. Great. Um, there are some unpaid ones as well, but you might not be doing quite as much. One of the, one of the internships I was looking at was a paid internship and I would, I was actually going to be working on editing books with the other editors, like just right from the get go mm-hmm. working on books. So it really varies. And the subject of unpaid internships is otherwise a pretty serious one, but the, the, uh, the paid internships do exist and they can be, they can be really quality internships. And I would say, look for those if you can. Okay. Okay. Um, so what, what personality traits do you think work best um, in this industry? Well, the first one definitely is working well with people because you're not just dealing with people in a superficial sense like you would a customer at a grocery store. You're dealing with these people who are handing you sometimes their life's work mm-hmm. and their their personal projects that they care so much about and you're going back and forth with them and you're doing everything from simple suggestions or just saying, hi, how are you, to emailing them to, to tell them that you completely destroyed their book and you'll hope that they forgive you. <laughs> so it's communication skills, working well with people, those things are, are essential to this kind of position, even if you're just kind of an intern or an assistant or something like that. Okay. Um, and- when you're Sorry, working, when you're working, uh, when you talk about personal, like uh, being able to work with people, is it more of a one-on-one or is it a group setting? It's typically one-on-one. Okay. Um, I've uh, let's see, because usually there's there's one point of contact between the client and the editor, whether it's just a single editor or the editing team. Okay. So, usually so sometimes if, you have to work in a team. Sometimes, yeah. Uh, actually, in in the manuscript magic company I started, I had uh, three employees at one point, and we all sort of worked together. But I was the one who communicated directly with the clients. Okay, but you still had to be good at working with your teammates. So, oh yeah, this absolutely. Isn't something that like because some people are good with one on one communication, where they're not good at group communication, or they're not able to talk in or work with group with groups. But this can be group focused. So if you're going for only one-on-one, this may not be ideal for you. Yeah, yeah. It, it really depends on the situation. Group communication skills are definitely important. You could probably find something or, you know, if you start your own business, you could probably do a one-on-one thing. But, I mean, regardless, whether you're going to be taking an internship position and learning from the people above you or working on a team, I would just sort of assume that you're going to be working in groups of some kind. Okay. Because I do know that, you know, when when I think about editing, I think it's a single person working with another single person. So you don't have to be, like, you could be very shy. You could be an introvert, um, you know, working as an editor. But from what I hear from you is that's not most of the time the case, especially if you're working within a company. Yeah, definitely not. And, you know, I... I used to consider myself kind of a shy person. Maybe I still am, but I think that's actually one of the one of the things that ends up working against me. 
because you are in a position of authority and education here. Mm-hmm. You are you are making these suggestions and you have to be really able to to back them up and to defend them. And you know, even when people are paying you to edit their work, there's going to be some reluctance, some pushback, and sometimes you're going to be even objectively correct and they're going to be a little iffy about it. So you kind of have to have the ability to to really push yourself on that person and say, you know, well, uh, in this case, you really do need to change this. So I, I remember, yeah, absolutely. I remember one situation, one client I was editing, he had typos all over the front cover of his book. Mm. And I, he really did not want to fix this. And I kept telling him, if this shows up on Amazon like this, people are not going to buy this book. Yeah. You know, so this, you know, some level of, of confidence is absolutely necessary, even if it gets to the point of being a little bit annoying. Okay. Yeah. And talking about what personality traits it takes to be good, there's also the flip side of that. What, I mean, what personality traits are not going to work here? This might sound a little surprising, but I think that being too nitpicky can actually be a problem Mm -hmm. because there's having an eye for detail and then there's getting tunnel vision something that prevents you from seeing the bigger picture. You can, you know, you can work all on being technically correct, but this is something where you always need to give yourself a little bit of wiggle room. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Okay. And I also think, you know, being easily distracted could be a problem because this is something where you are going to be sitting down and staring at a screen for hours and hours. This, this is intense. It takes a lot of focus and you know there's a high chance for burnout so this is something that people really need, really need to know when they get into it it's not going to be a super exciting job unless you really love the material that you're reading sure yeah absolutely what what personality traits of yours do you think really lend well to what you're doing um gosh i think having some kind of passion for for books for writing for reading is definitely necessary but having that imagination especially like i would say if you're the kind of person who ever watched a tv show or read a book series and then went and angrily wrote a fan fiction because you thought that they could have done so much better and that it didn't reach its potential and you had to do it right <laughs> This is that's that's definitely the job for you because you're working on people's creative projects and you get to help those people reach that potential. And that's just such a cool thing. That's a great example. I mean, because so many people, you know, if they relate to that, that might be true because then they get to fix the same thing. Right. I mean, they basically takes the creative process somebody did and be like, no, 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 it does this and you fix it, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've watched and read so many things where I, I couldn't help but think, well, well, if I had worked on this, then that would have never, you know, and <laughs> that's exactly what you get to do here. And it's a great feeling. That's very cool. Uh, what? And I know you said that shyness has kind of worked against you. Are there any other personality traits you've had that you've kind of struggled with um, that you've had to either meld the job to or you've had to change yourself to make it better? Uh, I kind of had to learn how to compromise and this this sort of Mm -hmm. goes along with the tunnel vision thing 
but when I first got into editing, I was I was very much about like these are the rules. This is what's correct. This is how everything should be. But there's there's a whole lot more freedom to this because you're really working with an art form here. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just have to be open to the fact that not everything is going to go the way that you think it is or the way that the author thinks it will. It's basically you and the author versus their work. Mm-hmm. So it's it's figuring out I mean, it's a learning process for both people the whole way. So learning to compromise stuff that you can say, okay, fine, we'll leave it that way. It's okay, whatever. Okay. And so you're kind of doing both things. You're at the, you know, you have, you're at a company and then you're also doing freelance. You're doing your own thing with your own company. Is there a ladder up or a lateral move you could make if somebody were in that situation? Um, it, it usually is, it's usually a hierarchy sort of situation. You start at the lower positions where you're like an intern or a mm-hmm. proofreader or assistant, and then you move up to editor and then maybe editor in chief. And it, it really depends if you're at a company that isn't so creatively oriented, there might only be one or two positions, but it, it usually comes in, in that hierarchy. Okay, so you could, and even if you were at one of those companies that only has one or two positions, there are other companies where you can move up. You can, there is a way to go up from where you're at. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're really good at what you do, and the company maybe doesn't focus a lot on the whole writing and editing thing, maybe that's something, depending on the company, of course, maybe that's something they could expand into. And, you know, if you're good enough at it, you'll be in charge of it. Or something like that. It's this is one of those skills that if you're good at it, I would recommend saying so because I think good things can come of it. Okay, and so it kind of expands because I know you're really interested in novels, but there's, I mean, editors are needed pretty much everywhere, right? I mean, there's people that edit marketing, and there's people that edit social media posts, and there's people that edit, you know, advertisements or um, yeah. I don't know, travel pamphlets. I mean, there's editors for all that stuff, right? Yeah, and it's, heck, not even just editing. That's the writing, too. People will pay you to write email templates for you or for them. And basically, if if you're good at words, the writing and editing is kind of interchangeable, and those are skills that people are really after. Okay. Okay. So you can kind of it's a very fluid job. You can kind of mold it and convince people if you're persuasive enough that whatever skills you're offering as an editor can either be expanded or moved to different portions of different companies or even freelance. Yeah, definitely. And if it doesn't come to the point of the company itself offering more services, then maybe you get some extra paid responsibilities. It's when you're good at words, people take notice and that it's something that really makes you a valuable asset. Okay. What, what would be some of the drawbacks to this career choice? Are there extensive training, poor pay, long hours? What, what kind of stuff would maybe turn people off to this? Um, well, the first one I, I kind of mentioned the high chance of burnout. And that's mm-hmm. definitely the case. I don't think being an editor is something that you could just feel lukewarm toward. It's something that you either really like or something that you very quickly don't like because you're doing the same thing every day. You're just staring at a Word document and you're making 
tiny, tiny changes to the whole thing. And it, it gets really exhausting pretty quickly. Some people are okay with that because they love what they read. They love the people they work with. Mm-hmm. But sometimes uh, it, it takes getting into it to figure that out. But that is, I, I would say that's one of the potential risks of it. And the other one is you don't look to be an editor to get wealthy. I okay. think you can make a comfortable living from it. Mm-hmm. The um, I think the industry average for an editor is you know somewhere over $20 an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe higher depending on the position, but you're not, you know, you're not going to go buy a Bentley with your first paycheck or something. Sure. But I, I mean, the, I would assume that the potential for wealth, we'll call it wealth. That doesn't mean you're going to be astronomically, you know, astronomically rich, but you can make a livable wage. Isn't it? I mean, I would assume that it, the amount of work you put in, right? So you can get as many clients as you can get and then put it in the work and you make the money. Yeah, you could either do an hourly wage or um, like I've done is I've charged per word. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that can be good or bad depending on how much work that this book needs. But it also does mean that the longer the book, the higher your pay. And, you know, if if you're freelancing, especially you can make your own hours, you could work all day. You could make pretty good money if you have a steady inflow of clients. Mm-hmm. So. And even if you're working hourly, it's something where you will make pretty steady money. It's 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 pretty solid. It's livable. You can you can figure out how to make it livable. Yeah, and okay. you know, depending on your position, not just livable, but you know, comfortably livable. Okay. And so going back a little bit to the burnout that you were talking about, have you had to personally turn away clients because you were fearful that if you continued on their projects since you weren't interested in it, you would obtain burnout? I haven't yet turned anyone away, but okay. I have I have had the, the, the temptation was there, especially when someone sends me a project that's like hundreds of thousands of words long and I find myself spending, you know, upwards of 10 minutes per page. It gets exhausting mm-hmm. really quickly. And especially when you get those... I've had projects where, you know, the writing was was very solid to start with. And then other projects where the ideas were amazing, but the writing needed a lot of help to get there. Yeah. And so knowing that I had that to look forward to every day, it kind of got tiring. But in the end, um, I, I still haven't turned anyone away just because I, I really do love what I do. And, you know, a little exhaustion here and there is to be expected. Okay. So it's almost, uh, it's not a necessity, it's not a necessity to have to turn, turn it out. You know, like there are positions where people tell me, I, I, you know, if I can't work with a client, I break it off before it gets too far because I don't want my reputation going down the drain. This isn't the same thing because you can still accomplish your job, even if it is tedious. You can. Um, and I do think that you should be able to retain some level of passion for it, whatever. Like if it gets to the point where you're just kind of hating yourself as you work on it all day, then then you've gone a little bit too far mm-hmm. because you don't want to be just correct. You want to be into the project enough that you can make the best possible suggestions for them. So 
to some degree, I think there is that necessity of being able to turn people away. But I think once you get into it to start, you'll know, okay, these are the things that I love working with. These are the things that I don't. And you can say that up front, like I don't accept projects from these genres, or you can set a word count limit or, you know, whatever it takes, you can, you can be pretty flexible with it. Okay. And so uh, obviously when you're talking freelance, it's going to be different, right? Because when you're starting out, I assume that you're going to work a little bit longer hours um, than if you were working for your company. But with being part of a company, do you have like extensive work weeks working for that company or is it a little more forgiving? It's usually pretty forgiving. Um, with with some very rare exceptions, you usually know how many hours you're going to work that day, what kind of work you're going to do that day. It's it's pretty uh, reliable. Okay, so they're very they're vastly different when you're looking at freelance versus company, and that's something that if somebody likes editing, they should really consider the differences between the two. Yeah, absolutely. When I did freelancing, um, you know, the editing part. And this is still the case that I charge by the word, but when it was uh, the technical writing and the technical editing, I was paid per article mm -hmm. or whatever other medium I was working with. So there are a lot of different payment structures. Um, some and and some may work. The per article thing was good because if you if you get into the swing of things and you're you're a fast writer or a fast editor, you know you make more money per hour. Mm -hmm. So it. It really depends, but um, when when you get up to the industry level, uh, it's it's still usually pretty steady unless you're looking at some some major awful deadline. Okay, okay. So, what has been so far the worst day of your career? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> okay. Well, I was um, I was working with a client. She was a very nice lady, and. At that point, I had uh, the three people in my company, and she had given us a deadline, and we were right on schedule, and everything was perfect. Mm -hmm. And about a week before the deadline was due, our, she she emails us to ask, hey, where's my book? Oh, no. And so, yeah. So I, I replied, and I said, well, uh, we're right on schedule. We will definitely have your book ready for the deadline that you gave us in a week. And she's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I am at a convention right now where I have to present my book. <gasps> yeah. And oh, no. this was still pretty early on in my career. If this happened now, I think my response would have been very different. But back then I was still kind of new, kind of shy. And I really wanted those good testimonials. Mm -hmm. So, um, my other employees and I, we just, we worked for like 36 hours straight, no sleep. And, you know, uh, actually the husband of one of my employees came over and he was making us dinner because we couldn't even step away from the computers for even a few minutes. Oh my God. It was, it was so stressful and we were so tired. And, and definitely now I would have said, you know, this, this is the deadline you gave us. You did not inform us about any changes. I'm really sorry. We can't do this for you mm -hmm. because that's, that's a ridiculous request. But yeah, that was probably easily the worst, the worst day of my career so far. And so does that happen? I mean, I'd assume that happens often when you're dealing with people. I mean, human error occurs and, you know, especially when you get, I mean, creative types are kind of eccentric. And so <laughs> you, you, you get those that are like, no, I swear it's today. And it's really not. 
and you're moving forward. So I, I'd assume that's that's kind of a frequent cause, yeah? Um, it is not, actually. Oh, that's, wow. That's one of the only people that I ever had that issue with. Um, it helps when communicating through email because you have written records of when all these deadlines are. And you can mm -hmm. show them, hey, this is what you said and when you said it. But most of the people that I've met are actually very forgiving people. If I have to email them and say, hey, I'm really sorry, I might have to push the deadline back a little bit because of, you know, whatever, like a health disaster or whatever, they're like, oh, okay, that's fine, you know, take care of yourself. You know, they're, they're very, most of the people that I've worked with are very, are very chill, understanding people. And it's pretty great, honestly. Okay. And has that been your experience throughout your career? Yeah, so far. Wow. Regardless of, I mean, in some places, the deadlines, of course, are a little bit more strict, mm -hmm. but um, in most cases, the people are pretty great. And there's, there's no, this is, it, I was worried about it because I didn't want a job where I would interact with, directly with people so much because I was afraid of encountering, you know, quote unquote, that customer. Sure. But I've met them maybe once or twice ever since I started in 2006. So that's been an absolute pleasure. Wow, that's, I mean, that's awesome because that's not what I would expect. I'm sure that's not what a lot of people would expect is that, you know, you hear all these disaster stories about freelancers, you know, dealing with people that are just uh, unable to be happy with anything you do. And so that's, that's, I mean, that's a relief to hear that you do not encounter that as often. So there's really not, maybe if somebody has that fear about doing it, it's not um, a real fear. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's not, uh, in your experience, it hasn't been a real factor of whether or not you continue with your work. Yeah, I would say that's that's definitely a fear that will probably not come to fruition pretty often. I was worried about it getting into it because I thought I'm going to be working with authors. They've written books. They're going to be they don't want me like really messing up maybe their mm -hmm. life's work or whatever but you know these are people who want their book to do the best that it can and they yeah. say, they come to me and they say well you're the person who does the editing i will i will look over your notes and suggestions and you know we'll do our best on this together it's it's really it was eye opening and it's been kind of amazing yeah, that, that I mean, that's great to know because that would be my fear. You know what I mean? Going freelance, that would be my fear of doing things with other people is worried that every customer I get is going to be uh, the biggest jerk I've ever met and I'm never <laughs> going to be able to make it, you know, because they're going to slam me every every chance they get. So that's awesome to hear. Yeah, but, I think you sort of have to get used to they're coming to you because you're the authority on this. It's not the other way around they might be the authority on their world that they've created, but now you're the authority on helping them make it better. And they, and nine times out of 10, they recognize that. And that's why they're giving you their money. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. And so if though, because I mean, you, it has happened to you once, right? So we'll just, we'll use that as an example <laughs> of what could occur. If it does occur, you you would say that you need to be, Firm, right? Even though you were fluid then, now with your experience, you would say that you would need to be more firm in dealing with that situation. Yeah. And I think that was, even that was, was kind of an outlier because I didn't expect my client, she said nothing about 
a convention. So, you know, I had absolutely no idea. So you can be understanding, but be firm. And it helps if you maybe have some kind of a contract that you sign from the get-go explaining that you have certain limitations, there are certain lines that you will not cross, you know, things like that. Sure. And so we're going to flip it. What's been the best day of your career? Oh, the best day. That was probably when I saw my first client's book get published and I saw all of the positive reviews coming in and I just felt like, you know, I, I had some part in this, you know, like this isn't my book, but I helped this person do this. We worked on this together and, you know, people love it. So, you know, it kind of makes me think that I did my job correctly because, you know, I'm trying to make this a good thing for the readers and it's, it's happening. They love it. So it was so, it was so satisfying and so validating. Yeah, absolutely. And so talking about validation, I mean, is that one of the benefits of your job then? I mean, I assume because you get quite a few published that it would be, you know, even though they're not, you still feel validated. Yeah. And it's, if you've ever written a book and you finished a book, it's that feeling just every single time you finish it because (laughs) the, because the author is happy and then you see the book put out there, you might see your name in the credit somewhere, which means, you know, a little exposure, but also, Mm -hmm. Hey, I helped work on this and you see the good reviews and you know that it was partially because of your suggestions and your work that is taking off so well. And it, it happens every single time. And it's a great feeling. Is that a side note? Is that one of the requirements that you make is that they need to put um, you, you in the credits because you are contributing to this. So is it, um, is it a plagiarism type thing if they don't do that? Um, I, I think it really depends on the editor. I'm a freelancer and I, you know, I kind of leave it up to them if they want to do it great but I've never that's never something I've demanded of them okay okay so back to the benefits what uh, what else besides validation would you say is a benefit to your position um well like we talked about before we have the um pretty predictable pretty stable work and also I think if you're a reader or a writer or just someone who loves books, you're going to love this because you work with some of the coolest people ever. Like these are all authors. These are all editors. These are all very creative and friendly people. Mm -hmm. It's just, it is an absolute pleasure to be a part of this community and to be surrounded by these people in the workplace all the time. And I think that's one of the best things ever. The, The people have made it one of the best career decisions I've ever made. Okay. And you said that there's a lot of work out there. So do you think it's pretty realistic to say if somebody wants to go in this, they should not need for a job? Um, I, that, that could be a safe assumption. Yeah. Like you, you might not immediately get the type of editing job that you want. Yeah. Like I started out doing the kind of boring stuff, mm-hmm. but regardless of what you do, that's something for your resume. Those are connections that you're making. And, you know, like I mentioned, if you're good at words, people realize it and they'll want you. So, and some companies don't even know that they need it until you point out, hey, these are things that we can do better. So 
Yeah, I, I do think, um, you know, with the with the networking, putting forth the effort maybe to get the education and the experience and just to to jump into it, I, I think it's a pretty safe market. Okay. And when you talked about, um, you know, the type of editing, if even if you have, but the skill set's going to be the same. So if you go into this and let's say you can't find what you want to do at first, your skill set's still going to transfer to something that you can find that will pay. Yeah, definitely. I, I was able to say, hey, I did freelance editing for a while. And while I was here, I picked up uh, the Chicago style or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that a lot of those are ubiquitous. So picking up any of these skills anywhere will transfer to a lot of different places. Very cool. What do you love most about what you do? Uh, it's honestly as as kind of a book nerd it's the fact that i'm i'm working with books mm -hmm. you know i'm i'm writing them i'm editing them i'm i'm working with authors that's that's the coolest thing like i you know i i work with people who write books that's so cool and also the feeling of getting to help people with the projects that they love so much like i understand firsthand what it feels like to work on something and to pour your heart into something and it's so rewarding to just work with someone else on this project that they've created. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's mostly just the entire work experience, working with uh, the people and, and working with books. Very cool. What, what was the moment that you fell in love with your career? So before you, you knew that you weren't going to get your customers and, you know, you, you, you knew that you were going to do all, what, what made you fall in love where you knew that you wanted to do editing? It was probably a few books in because I had heard so much about the, about the burnout that I talked about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I felt that excitement after that first client's book was published. And then I did it again and again and again. And I realized that the excitement was not fading. Like I was still just as eager to get an email from my 30th client as I was my first client. Like when I realized that this was something that I legitimately enjoyed doing and not just something that I loved because I had just started and mm -hmm. I thought it was temporarily really cool or something, that was, that was really the moment for me. Okay. So when you started, you, you weren't in love with it. So what made you, what made you start it? Well, I, I was in love with it when I started to, to a certain extent Okay. in that, you know, I had just, I don't know why I didn't think of this before. Like I love books. I love writing. Mm -hmm. Why can I not get paid to help other people with their writing? Sure. Um, and so I thought, Oh, it'd be cool if we started an editing business together. That'd be awesome. Um, it, it was really, it was really the moment when that first client's book was published that I realized all the work was worth it and that I could do this 10 times over, 20 times over, you know, maybe forever. And it would still be just as rewarding. Okay. So you had like a, you had a surface love, right? You had like the, the beginning of you know, oh, this seems cool, so I'm going to do it. And then you realize that it's actually a passion. Yeah, some of it was kind of throwing caution to the winds, like, hey, this seems like a cool idea. Mm -hmm. But I thought, you know, very quickly, it could get very exhausting, 
working, you know, working with these authors. Maybe they're mean. I don't know. It was, <laughs> it was um, a lot of experimentation at first. You know, even the first couple of clients together. But after that, you know, once I got really got into the swing of things and that excitement was still there, that's when I really knew. Cool. Do you uh, do you currently have any expansion plans? Um, that's hard to say. I, I've thought about after my schooling is complete, going back to this company and working on that full time, maybe hiring some more people again um, or going a different route. Maybe I could look at uh, joining a publishing house myself, something like that. Okay. I mean, whatever I do, I do think that writing and editing are going to be part of my career if I can help it. So you're kind of fluid right now. You just know the pe you know the career you want to go to, like you want to be in. You just you're kind of open to what the possibilities are going to be. Yeah, I could stay here and expand, or I could go somewhere else. And I think, I think even that would be a a positive personality trait for someone who wants to get into this business. Like, be open to change. Be willing to move to different places. Like it's it's all well and good to find a place where you are comfortable and you can settle down. And it's not even that this is like super competitive, but there's a lot of opportunity out there. So you know, always keeping yourself open to that, I think, is a must. A lot of fluidity. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Okay. So we've kind of broken down what it means to be an editor. Um, we've gone through and talked about a lot of different stuff. I've got a few more questions for you. Sure. What did you want to be when you were a kid? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I wanted to be everything when I was a kid. <laughs> like it, <laughs> whatever, whatever book I read or whatever TV show I watched, I was like, I want to be that. That looks Goldfish cool. Goldfish syndrome, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to be a, a – I remember distinctly I wanted to be a helicopter pilot. I wanted to be a police officer. And then for a long while, I wanted to be a gymnast. Okay. I spent I spent 10, 10 years as a gymnast. Really, I, I was taking it seriously. I was hoping to get to the Olympics. Sure. And that didn't work out. But, you know, beneath it all, um, I, I did want to be a writer. Still, from, you know, from a very early age, just mm -hmm. like as soon as I learned how to read, I had all these stories in my head that I was not content to just keep there. Sure. You know. So the writing thing has been a constant in my life for a while. And otherwise, there were a few other major things that I considered, but none of those really panned out. Sure. Cool. Um, it's a long jump from helicopter pilot to an <laughs> editor, but, you know, you, you got Just there. Just a little bit. <laughs> um, what is the best piece of business advice you've received? Best piece of Okay. Um, that's probably... And it, it sounds kind of cheesy, but the best <laughs> advice was probably to always try to be a better person today than you were yesterday. And because it, it's so easy to get stuck in a routine where you feel like you're never going to get that promotion or something else, you know, it's never going to work out. Mm -hmm. So even if it doesn't even have to be business related, but, you know, if you learn a few new things today or if you pick up a hobby or if you take a class or learn a new language or something like that, if you're always growing as a person, then it helps you avoid getting stuck and, and feeling stagnant and you'll be more well-rounded. Maybe you'll get more marketable skills, but whatever the case, it'll, it'll help you from feeling stuck and it'll help keep you open 
to new possibilities. So I thought it seemed really simple at first, but, you know, always trying to improve yourself. I think that's that's definitely something to focus on. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that's cheesy at all. I mean, it's simple, but that's the problem is that a lot of people forget simple things like that. And then, you know, 10 years later, they realize they've not done anything like that. You know, they've, they've done the same thing every day without trying to better themselves. And, um, I think that's a great piece of advice. Yeah. And it's definitely something to take day by day. Like you don't, especially if you're a very busy person, maybe you don't have time to take college classes on the side or whatever, because usually I would say, you know, the, the best advice is do what you love. But I feel like that goes without saying, like, obviously we'd all love to do what we love. <laughs> So it's more about like taking it one day at a time and just trying to make little improvements. And then, you know, a couple of months down the line, you'll look at everything new that you've accomplished and, you know, you realize how far you've come, maybe with only a little bit of effort each day. And that really helps. Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, I was listening to a radio show here in Seattle and um, somebody was talking about Pete Carroll, who is the the Seattle Seahawks football coach. And they talked about how he, um, his whole thing is that every moment he goes by every moment he wants to be better than he was the moment before. And I thought breaking that down to that crazy, you know, a moment is very minimal. You know what I mean? I think about a moment and not enough time, but for having that mindset, that that almost brings him back where maybe he only misses a few moments where he didn't do that. You know what I mean? Instead of if we look at things on a day by day or, you know, him being crazy and minute by minute, whatever, <laughs> um, it, it helps because then it makes it harder for a year to go by or a month to go by where you're not doing anything. Because if you miss a day and you're like, well, I'm not better yesterday than I was today, it's a lot easier to fix that um, than to just let it go. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, even if you're crazy and just living in every single moment like that, mm-hmm. it's it's probably got to be very rewarding to look back and think, I didn't waste an instant. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's also important to not be hard on yourself. Like, you're going to have your down days. Oh, yeah. But, you know, overall, it's it's a day-by-day thing. Just do your best in little increments. And, you know, whether, you know, you're this famous football player, whatever, you get to look back and you you feel more fulfilled and I think even if you're not looking at it from a a career standpoint where you're trying to get the best advantage in your line of work it's important for your own health and well-being as well oh yeah absolutely I uh my husband and I were talking about the podcast and he was telling me because I was like oh I'm getting you know I'm getting a lot of interviews so it's a lot of days where I have all these people and it's stacking up and my schedule's getting kind of crazy and I feel like I'm losing time and he mm-hmm. told me that anything before this because I love doing this was a waste of time I lost all that time now it's not losing the time because I'm doing something that matters yeah, that's, so that's that a great pretty, way to look at that. Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty pretty interesting, right? They go together. So what would be the one piece of advice you would give to somebody just starting out in this career? Hmm. Well, I, I kind of touched on this earlier, but if you're good with words, whether you are a writer or looking to be an editor or even someone who's really good at communications, 
then this is something you tell people about. This is something that you bring up in interviews or that you volunteer for your boss or whatever to say, hey, this is something that we can do better. Because if people can see that you're good with words, they're going to want you. Because, you know, we live in a society built around communication. Mm -hmm. So if a company deals with people and, you know, that's basically every company ever, then they're going to want you. It Editing might seem like a narrow field at first because people might think, oh, you just work with words or whatever. But people need emails and templates and website content and marketing and social media content and promotional and instructional material and press releases and newsletters. You know, yeah. this has so many advantages. Never ending. Yeah, never ending. So, so you could be... Ask. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you could be dealing directly with people, you could just be sending emails, you could be managing social media, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of different stuff that you can do. Um, like I kind of mentioned, when I started at this uh, business consulting job, mm -hmm. I was just an assistant. And then as soon as they found out that this was a skill set that I had, suddenly I was doing all the boss's emails, I was writing all their templates. And then we opened up a whole new uh, a whole new service of for the copywriting and copy editing that I now lead. So, you know, it's not it's obviously not always going to be like that. Yeah. But but it could is, be. Yeah. If you're good with people, then you would be surprised how many people struggle with writing a basic email or writing website content or anything like that. So this is definitely something that you want to tell people that you're good at. So you need to be, you need to sell yourself. Absolutely. And this is not one of those things that it's just like a small hobby on the side. This is something that is, is a really valuable asset. Very cool. All right. Well, uh, thank you for coming on, Kay. Uh, thank you very much for having me. If you like this episode or you're looking to change your career, go to 28andsearching.com or become a patron to get exclusive content sent directly to you. See you next week.